step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Hello, and thank you for tuning in. Today, I'm going to start things off by discussing education. I want to cover some important issues about education in America for a number of reasons. But what sparked this broadcast was some ignorant comments I witnessed made from or made on one of the local news programs, or media programs, I should say. The question was raised during one of the broadcasts as to whether or not a new patriotism training class or course that's required at the College of the Ozarks was valuable or not. Without getting into the actual debate itself, I wanted to touch on the response given by one of the hosts. When asked her opinion, she said she thought such a class would backfire and actually inspire anti-patriotic feelings. That comment definitely made me raise an eyebrow, but what came next was more concerning for me. I couldn't figure out how a patriotism class could backfire, unless it was mishandled, of course, and it turned into an indoctrination program. But she continued her argument by saying she felt that we should concentrate on basic civics instead of patriotism in college. She based her argument on the fact that most Americans can't even name the three branches of government. Well, I agree it is inexcusable for anyone with a high school diploma to not know basic civics. I find her solution a bit disturbing, though. By the time people get involved in post-high school education, they should already have mastered basic knowledge such as civics. At no time, any college should include a basic-level civics course in their curriculum. If it's discovered that any of the students lack that basic required knowledge in any subject, not just civics, that student should be sent back to primary school or remedial education prior to being admitted to college. College is for students to enhance and refine and further perfect their knowledge, not learn the basics. You can't imagine offering that as a solution. The solution is for students lacking basic knowledge to repeat courses until they have the basic foundations, basic foundations that they should already have in place when they go to college. In my opinion on the patriotism class, well, although I applaud the college for making an effort toward a growing deficiency in our country, I feel it's not something that should be taught as a course, but should be inspired. Patriotism, in my opinion, is not an indoctrination process. It's inspired by someone's emotional drive, one's love of country. The problem is not lack of patriotism or patriotic lessons. It's the unpatriotic role models that we elect to office. It's the constant bashing of everything patriotic by the media and the celebrities, other public figures as well. In my opinion, constantly bad-mouthing our country's heritage and constantly politicizing every issue are both very destructive to the concept of patriotism. It's not something that a course offered in college could potentially mediate. There are far greater things to focus on than just offering a quasi-indoctrination course during college, in my opinion. Now let me get back to education. Education has been debated since I was a child, with major issues being funding, standardization practices, and how to properly educate people at all levels, from kindergarten to postgraduate studies. Let's start by talking about the funding 
When I was in school, primary school anyway, funding was always an issue, so it seemed anyway. And teachers were always complaining about their low salaries, and I think the average back then was around eighteen to 20000 U.S. dollars per year, and they had long hours. The schools were always having fundraisers in order to advance some feature at their location. And by feature, I'm generally referring to things like new computers, uniforms for sports groups or clubs, or even new classrooms. And they were usually in the form of like portable buildings, basically a single wide trailer furnished into a classroom. I remember selling candy bars, spices, and soliciting sponsorship for walkathons or skateathons in order to help with these fundraising efforts. The only direct money that my parents were responsible for, and this is public education we're talking about, were for basic supplies. Up until high school, my parents purchased a few things at the beginning of each school year, such as a school box, which was basically an old-style cigar box, pencils, papers, notebook, erasers, and so forth. Nothing really that costly. They were all personal items for me to use. My parents were also responsible for non-mandatory field trips, which wasn't unusual, and it wasn't very expensive. And usually, field trips were an annual event, if they even had a field trip that year. During the course of each year, we either brought our own lunch, and for a very small price, we could buy one in the local cafeteria at the school for either breakfast or lunch. So not a lot of expenses on my parents' part. They did pay taxes, which went toward the school, so it made sense. In high school, things didn't change much, except we didn't have a school box, and we were required to buy textbook covers, and we usually made those ourselves out of paper grocery bags. College and beyond, as it should be, my personal responsibility for funding everything was on my shoulders, everything from housing, food, books, tuition, everything. Now things are a bit different. Primary and high school teachers are, for the most part, members of teacher unions, which force schools to pay them higher wages, despite their credentials, really. Their hours are typically banker hours, if you will. Basically, the hours reflect closely to those of the students, with some exceptions for preparations. And most dramatically, parents are deeply involved in funding their children's education, even at public schools, in most areas anyway. The supply list now includes community items as well, not just personal items which was unheard of while I was young. And by community items, I'm referring to items used by the teachers and the entire class rather than just each individual student. Most parents are required to purchase their children's personal supplies, like backpack, school uniform, clothing, which, again, we didn't have as children, pencils, papers, notebooks, erasers, and so forth. Now, they're required to purchase community items, like community erasers, community pencils, community paper, notebooks, rubber bands, paper clips, and so forth, which are, quote, donated for use by the entire class, including the teachers and the staff. Some of the other expenses, additional to supplies and community supplies, include mandatory pictures, which were optional when I was a child, but are now mandatory in a lot of places, first aid supplies, textbooks, study books, and so forth. So along come the unions and force schools to pay higher wages, but they offer no solution to school funding. So the extra money is taken from the students' education so teachers can get above average incomes. The burden is now placed on the parents to provide the school with its own supplies in addition to their students' supplies. Additionally, these parents are also still paying their taxes, which go toward the school. 
This is a bit outrageous in my opinion. And as you can tell, I'm not a real big fan of unionizing our public school education system. It clearly reduces the effectiveness of the system. We should really prioritize at a higher level, especially if we've gotten to a point of media hosts suggesting we offer third grade level civics courses to college students because they generally lack the knowledge base to be worthy of a degree which they have now been accepted to pursue. Well, that's a brief about funding. So I'm going to go over some other thoughts on standardization and at least what I consider proper education. So what do I mean by standardization? Well, that's actually a very complicated discussion. Basically, every state has their own requirements for grade progression. So when students graduate high school and apply for higher education, each school they apply for must somehow match all these variety of different standards into their own requirements for admission. In other words, each school must try and qualify students from separate states and separate districts into their one standard for admission, which is crazy, complex, and difficult. Very subjective. Some efforts have been made to standardize students' qualifications based on standardized testing, such as the ACT and the SAT. More recently, different districts within each state have attempted more standardization by using various methods of testings at various stages and levels of education during primary education. The concept sounds like an improvement, but in practice, it just complicates the issue. Plus, in many cases, it allows students to progress solely on these standardized test results with almost complete disregard for their normal performance. In other words, more often than not, a student could barely make passing grades throughout the term, but a passing score on one test meant promotion to the next grade regardless of their actual performance and their actual mastery of the knowledge required at that level. To make things even worse, teachers tend to teach the test now, meaning they've sculpted entire lessons based on their knowledge of the standardized test. The results are less than standard, obviously, far less than before these methods were implemented. There are even cases where teachers are pressured into achieving a predefined passing score ratio, or quota. Some of them change scores for students, while others simply read off correct answers for the entire class during the testing, if no one's watching over their shoulder. I know from first-hand experience that Florida was among the many states where The passing quotas were so important for teachers that several scandals arose from teachers doing exactly what the tests were designed to prevent. In my opinion, a proper education doesn't come about by teaching tests, and it surely doesn't come about by fudging test practices and test scores just to promote a certain quota of students. As a nation, we need to be more proactive with ensuring future generations are properly educated. The taxes collected for the purposes of education need to go to education. Teachers' unions, if they're going to exist, need to either provide solutions to the problems that they themselves create with funding, or they need to go away completely. And we need to focus on learning and educating rather than promoting students just to keep them moving up the ladder. If they fail, then they need to learn from that failure and either apply themselves or work harder. Diplomas and degrees should be earned and should not be based on a certain quota. They should be based on a knowledge level and mastery. And one more bit for me about education. We really need to find a way to encourage much higher standard for primary school teachers. It is more than a rumor. It is a fact that the majority of primary school teachers come from the bottom third of their classes. So we're giving a very important task of educating our future generations to the least scholarly, the least qualified, and the least motivated people. That needs to change. If you compare our educational system to other countries, you'll find we are so muddled with political correctness and a feel-good-about-yourself environment that we simply cannot compete. We need to dig our heads out of the sand and face this problem. It'd be nice for our future generations to actually be educated and knowledgeable rather than just awarded diplomas and degrees. They mean nothing when they're just awarded. 
They mean a lot more when they're earned. Well, that's all for this segment. Please let me know your comments, your feedback, and your suggestions. You can find me on both Podbean and Blog Talk Radio. And you can follow me on Facebook and Twitter. If you're listening to this broadcast, please check out my blog. It's at realintelreport.com. Thank you again for tuning in, and please check back soon. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.